Look, I'm gonna be straight up. I'm just let me say this. I'm gonna be straight up. So be straight up with the people. I might say some things y'all don't like. Oh well. Okay. Just letting you know that. <laughs> Welcome to Musically Hitched, a podcast featuring the untold stories of entertainment professionals from household names to budding superstars and those still hidden in plain sight. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. I'm Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds. This This is is Musically Hitched. Today's episode features background vocalist extraordinaire, Rachel James, founder of Bridge Hooks and Stuff Entertainment and author of BG Evolve. Rachel has traveled the world and graced some of the biggest stages with top artists, producers, and music directors. Whether providing vocal production for in-studio recordings or selecting and prepping background vocalists for live music and television events, Rachel's versatility and straightforward approach is in demand. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. We're here for another fantastic episode of Musically Hitched. And we have a special treat for you today. In studio today, we have not only a longtime friend, but a music industry vet, a who's who, but more importantly, just a really, really dope person. We have with us the illustrious Rachel James. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's so great to have you yes. here. Yeah, We go way back, but you know, we're going to invite him into some of our normal conversations that we've had over the years. And let's talk music business today. This is Musically Hitched, and it's all about getting down to the core of who you are as a musician, um, who you are as an artist, Mm -hmm. and what you have done to stay connected in this industry. This is a tough business to be in. Would you agree? Definitely tough. And a lot of our listeners, you know, that are not in the industry yet or making the transition into, they want to know how do you make it in this business? Mm -hmm. So we always try to start out with foundational things, but it's hard to do that if you don't know who a person really is. So how would you describe becoming initially musically hitched? Ooh, so uh, my story is a little, it's a little interesting. Of course, I started uh, singing in the church. Mm -hmm. I was, I can remember back, uh, I was about five, maybe singing in the choir and leading songs. Mm -hmm. But, uh, where I really cut my teeth and got nurtured as a creative. Um, I was in this group called Stars of Heaven. I saw them um, singing around in Atlanta. They, were, they came to my church to sing. And um, it was a group of young girls. They were like nine and 10 years old. And at this point I'm nine. And so, you know, I saw them at my church and I was like, oh man, I would love to do that. You know, I love to sing. I love to dance. They they sang, they danced, they rapped. They did it all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I call them the original Destiny's Child. <laughs> but, um, the original. The original. Destiny's and there's Child. a story behind that. I'm going to get to it. <laughs> oh, okay, do tell. Yeah, so um, they came to my church and I, I expressed interest. And they were like, okay, come, come audition. You know, we want to see what you got. I went and auditioned the next week. And they were like, oh, yes, we got to have you. Wow. So at nine, I was in this group. We were traveling across the country doing all kinds of dates and engagements. This was the original Destiny's Child. This was the original (laughs) Destiny's Child. And I did that for 10 years. Um, Our coach, Ms. Gaynell Terry, I tell this story everywhere I go. She basically nurtured me and created this (laughs) Rachel James. Um, I am who I am because of what she instilled in me. And so being in Stars of Heaven, I was able to... uh, 
learn just different aspects of the music industry. Um, I was choreographing, I was making arrangements, I was writing, like I was doing all of this at the age of nine. And so it just kind of cultivated me. Wow. As a musician, as a creative. So I started there. Um, we would do show, shows with like Monica and Usher and little stuff like that. We would open up and that really, and even at that age though, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I loved to sing mm -hmm. and right. I loved to dance. Right. So let me just, you know, if I'm going to waste time, let me waste time doing something that I love. Yeah, of course. Right. So I started there. And then, like I said, I did that for 10 years. And then here's the Destiny's Child part. I got kicked out. <laughs> I got kicked out the group. <laughs> To this day, I still don't know why, but <laughs> I got kicked out the group and that kind of changed the game for me. When I got kicked out the group, of course I'm 19, I was in school and I was like, okay, I have this gift, I need to do something because mm -hmm. clearly, you know, the group, it's not, they don't want me anymore. So ah. that's when I decided, okay, where is this going? So did you feel like that was, no, this was all female group? Yes. So was there drama of course <laughs> of course um specifically uh, that contributed to you going out and you okay i'm trying <laughs> we're not gonna throw anybody under the bus i don't want to throw anybody yeah. under the bus but i mean sometimes i'm i'm gonna keep it real though when you have a group of females everybody's gifted mm -hmm. some more than others of course okay. there's intimidation there's yeah yeah mm -hmm. The typical so, music industry exactly. girl group exactly. stuff. Yes. I got you. So could you, what what was your uh, instructor's name again? Miss Terry. Miss Gaynell Terry. Gaynell Terry. What are some of the things that she, she instilled in you? As you said, she kind of made you the Rachel James mm -hmm. artist, if you will. The two main things that I, that's just stuck with me that I just, to this day, that I, I it's like a strength of mine is confidence. Mm-hmm and having thick skin. Wow. Um, she always told me, so when I first got into the group, yes, I love to sing, but I would sing with my head down and yeah, I would never right. look out. Right. I was always nervous, uh -huh. and just super shy. And she would always tell me, she was like, you have the gift, like mm. you're gifted. Let like show the people that you love what you're doing. Right. And so she was like, never hold your head down when you're singing. Cause you want it to translate to people that, you right. know, whatever you're singing about specifically, you want them to feel it. You yeah. want them to understand it. You want them to grasp it. So right, right. she told me that and that changed my life. Like that gave me the confidence boost that I needed at nine, you know? So if somebody listening is having a, that struggle right mm -hmm. now, let's say as someone who's a musician and they're mm -hmm. trying to transition into artistry, it's time for them to come off of the drums mm -hmm. or from behind the keyboard or guitar and begin to sing freestanding, you in the microphone in front of a crowd of 200 people. What suggestion would you give them to make that transition so that they can engage with the crowd right away? And maybe it doesn't take them six months or a year. Right. I think it's important to, when you're transitioning like that, you're coming into the forefront, is trusting your dopeness, trusting mm -hmm. who you are, trusting your gift. Like trusting that, that was big dopeness. for me. I like like I, I have to trust my dopeness. And like I said, before it was coming off as arrogance. Now it's just, it's true confidence. Yeah, like right. you have to know who you are. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. to believe in your gift for yeah. others to believe in it. Or right. you're going to have situations where you, okay, if I can bring this up, like a summer walker where she, 
she's an artist. She's out in the forefront, but she doesn't like to do it. She's she's always so not shy and nervous. She speaks okay. about this publicly. Mm -hmm. And so like, if that's where your place is, then you really have to have confidence and you have to trust that that's where you're supposed to be yeah. and love what you're doing. Right, yeah. right. So Miss Terry, shout mm -hmm. out to Miss Terry and 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 was she known for this? Is she like an Atlanta, I'm assuming she's, Atlanta oh, legend? She's an Atlanta legend, yes, okay. yes, definitely. Okay. She's the type where um like she cultivates people and then they go and do mm. other things and she's yeah. still, you know. That's missing. Yeah. We need we need that. That A and R, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Stars of Heaven. Yes. This group traveled across the country, right out of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, what success can you recall the group having? I mean, we had lots of success. Like I said, we were traveling. I, I recall us doing maybe over a thousand performances. Really? As a child. So, um, and we were offered multiple deals, of course, but our Miss Terry, she was very specific about what she wanted for us. Okay. And if they didn't offer certain things, then she would shut it down. And so right. we didn't sign with anyone, but we definitely had multiple deals. They wanted us to, we were a gospel group, but they mm. wanted us to be an R&B group. And she was like, no, we're not doing that. Ah. Um, yeah. Did y'all want to do the R&B thing? Were y'all open to it? I didn't mind. No? I was open, but I mean, I'm 12 and I'm just like, hey, I just want to sing. Just so, sing. right. Yeah, but I mean, we, like I said, we were the original Destiny Child. <laughs> like it was left and right, they were pulling us, but. Yeah, and that's an era where girls groups were, were very, very Definitely. popular. So for y'all to be that competitive Definitely. and marketable, mm -hmm. it speaks a lot to obviously the talent of the yes, group, but yes. also to, to Miss Terry and her yep. artist development. Definitely. So, big deal. So we're, we're at 19, we're, we're phasing into the college. So yeah, let's now. go back. So, so in high school, um, uh, Alabama State came and their gospel choir came to the school and did a concert. And when I saw them and I heard them, I was like, oh my gosh, the sound, like, I wanna be a part of this. And I'm like, okay, I want to sing in the choir. I wanna go to this school. They were just so captivating because I got to hang with them for a few days afterwards. And so um, they came back and we had a pep rally or something and I sang the national anthem and the choir director came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, like we gotta have you. And I was like, well, I'm coming. So they gave me a music scholarship. So I wow. went to Alabama State and I just thoroughly enjoyed Alabama State. Just musically, that school is just full of just intelligent musicians. Like yeah. they get it. Okay. And it was just like one big family. And I remember getting a call, goodness. I think I was in my second year i was i got a call and they were like you know we want you to come and do some background and i was like okay so i dropped out of school <laughs> it was a tour i was like see y'all wow. and i left okay. it was disappointing but i was just like okay i'm feeling this pull i'm I, at this point i still don't know what i want to do exactly in music mm -hmm. is this your sophomore year you were saying this is yeah my sophomore year okay. and so they're like well you know we got a scholarship, but what's mm -hmm. going on? Like, look, this is an opportunity that's not offered all the time. Like, right. this is once in a lifetime, so I gotta go. Mm -hmm. So I left school and I did, I ended up meeting Kevin Bond doing mm -hmm. the um, Sisters in the Spirit tour. We ended up getting canceled. It lasted a week out on the road. Oh, wow. 
Now, I didn't drop out of school. Like, I came home to establish myself as a background singer. I mean, a week, you could have came back with a doctor. I, I mean, they probably would let you back in. <laughs> right. So you decided not to go back. Yeah, I was like, no, this is something to this. I need to. Yeah, okay. So um, I ended up going on tour with Monica after that failed. Mm-hmm. And I was out with Monica for about three or four years. Do you recall how the Monica opportunity came about? It was weird. Um, someone called me and was like, hey, there's an audition for Monica. Get some friends and y'all come and go. So I gathered some friends. We all auditioned for it and I ended up getting it. Mm. So that was kind of, you know, okay. it's like we all sing. These are my homegirls. Yeah. yeah. But I ended up getting it. And of course, they had more experience. But it's like, well, if this is for me. So I did that. Um, did that for three or four years. I end up, um, let's see. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's just so much that happened this, within those now, This is Monica during the, what era of Monica so are we she about? What had, records do you she w- This was the Making of Me album. Okay. Which is actually my favorite album of hers, but it's kind of slept on. <laughs> Check it out. The Making of Me. It's really uh-huh. a dope album. Right. But um, yeah, it was during that era. And that definitely changed my life because that was like my first international tour like yeah in and out of the country and just truly being a professional like learning to be a professional right right so um that really taught me a lot um (laughs) i actually quit that tour just thinking back though i i did probably quit on impulse and i should not have done it the way that i did Mm -hmm. but that was a learning lesson for me of course and that's um if I can plug this right now, that's one of the things I talk about in my book called BG yeah, <laughs> the Manual. We're definitely going to talk about that. <laughs> that manual of instruction. Yeah, that- it's just all these different experiences have just made me who I am today. But that, yeah, definitely looking back, it's just like sitting here right now and thinking mm-hmm. about like I could have definitely handled that differently. Yeah. But what do you think the the current version of Rachel James? How would you handle that transition now? Because we all we all have made mistakes and we look back and we could do differently. So what may be most valuable to the listeners is to talk about how to handle a transition now, particularly if you're, let's say you are disgruntled, mm-hmm. you're not happy about it. You need, you know, the handwriting's on the wall, it's time. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that transition? Because this is a small business, right? Yeah. Small world. Definitely um, different steps. Uh, a conversation first. Mm-hmm. Having a, a simple, civil conversation and Allowing them to explain what's going on and not assuming what's right. going on. Okay. So right. I could have had a conversation. It's right. definitely a learning lesson. Well, you're you're in the industry at this point. I mean, you've yeah. been in the industry since you were a kid. Yeah. And this, so the the Stars of Heaven training was was huge. Oh yeah, definitely. That obviously is like the precursor to the the college ten and then mm-hmm. the road with Monica. So uh, again, how long was it on the road with Monica? It was about three years. Three I'm to four saying. years. Yeah. And then you met Kevin Vaughn along the way. Mm-hmm. Kevin, of course, everyone uh, that is gospel music mm-hmm. conscious probably knows who that is. Um, legendary producer and is a great mentor. So mm-hmm. did you guys connect? Connect? I know you ended up working together in the future on various projects. Oh, but we immediately connected. It was an immediate connection. It was immediate. Okay. Um, just being on the road and just having conversations. And just at that point, he... I guess he saw something in me because mm-hmm. it just turned into him being my mentor and just kind of helped developing me okay. in the industry. Um, yeah, that's one of those relationships. And, and I speak on this in the book too, is the power of relationships, how mm-hmm. important 
it is to establish healthy relationships because there are a lot of things that I probably would not have known or would not have done if I had not met Kevin mm -hmm. Bond. So you have a book mm -hmm. and it is entitled BG Evolve. Yes, the manual. The manual. So we talked about relationships mm -hmm. and the importance of those in the industry. I hear you talk about that in the book. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. So what would you say are, let's just say like the, the foundational elements of building strong relationships? Because people talk about bu building relationships. You hear that all the time. It's a relationship mm -hmm. business. Right. Everything is about relationships. What should people be doing to make sure they have strong, healthy relationships? Um, and the key part of that is healthy. Mm -hmm. So because a lot of people have some skewed point of views of relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I'm just going to be like 100% transparent and raw. In the music industry, a lot of times building a relationship means what you can do for them, what they can do for you. Mm -hmm. And of course, that transaction should be there but it's like how far do you take it and how right. far do you push or right. how far do you allow them to push um for me it was important for me to have a healthy relationship meaning that if someone calls me you know and we're good friends or if we're trying to establish the relationship it does not mean you can come to my room you know and you know try things that's unhealthy mm -hmm. So let me say this. There are times where people feel um, you have to sleep around or you have to allow certain things to happen in order to, to get to the next step. Mm -hmm. That's not healthy relationships. Right. Not at all. Like, that's not how I build my brand, build my name in this industry. Um, when I say building a healthy relationship, that's just okay, yes, I can do this for you. Yes, you can do this for me. But how can we, aside from this, aside from our gifts, how, how do we connect? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not even about friendship. Like we don't have to be best friends, but like yeah. mutual respect. People feel different ways about this topic. Okay. And everybody's music business mm -hmm. is their business, yes. right? So we talk about minding your business a yes. lot on this uh -huh, podcast. Uh -huh. The topic of fraternization mm -hmm. is a sticky, it Subject. is because you can find you can become musically hitched in a relationship way Meaning yes. like you, your relationships often start at work mm -hmm. so the music business is work you're at work you meet another person that you vibe with mm -hmm. connect with and you're spending lots of time together of particularly if you're on a tour so you do have chances to talk to people off stage definitely right definitely. But you don't even have to be on a major tour to do that you just right. may find something that you click about in conversation and you decide to take that further is there a line that you should be aware of when it's it comes to doing when it comes to doing music business so you're a background singer right or have been uh, several times in your life is it okay to venture into that or should you have this mindset i'm here for business if something if i connect i connect but I'm really not here for that. And I'm actually kind of creating boundaries right here. Um, I think if it's authentic and natural and like not forced, of course, I'm not saying, okay, just don't hang out and don't, you know, have, you know, fraternize in, in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think to, for me, I'm saying, okay, I need to give this to get this. Okay, right. 
That's the unhealthy. That's the unhealthy side part of, the of it. Exactly. You know, people. I mean, of course, you don't know. That's how I met my husband. We did a gig right. together, that's and my point. right, yeah. Yeah, because somebody are. might be sitting there thinking, well, I think I just met my husband. I think right, I just right. met my wife. Yeah, that's in, different. You know, that's different. Band, I, yeah, right. I'm speaking to it from the point of, of, like, you're trying to get on. Right. And Or you're trying to stay on. Right. And it's a form of manipulation. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Got it. So. Okay. And, and, and because you, and the, the manipulation, I feel, is that we're, we're all in a closed mm-hmm. group. We do need each other. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. depend on you for the alto part or the Definitely. soprano part. Mm-hmm. You depend on me for the, the music, the keys, the bass, whatever. So there is this bond that we have on stage right. that if used unhealth- in an unhealthy way, uh-huh. can be leveraged for other things. True. Okay. So that's what, we, that's what we're getting at. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, that's one of the grayest areas. It is. Of the music in business, uh, period. So... <laughs> I'm glad you were able to <laughs> shed light. Yes. Anything else you would say about relationships? Like just, just let's just talk just straight business now. Mm-hmm. What is what are the proper ways, particularly from a vocalist perspective? Um, how does a vocalist handle business? Is it any different than a producer, a musician, uh, an executive? Um, I would say this. Kevin Bond has really taught me a lot in regards to just handling business mm-hmm. um, as a creative. Um, for me, I always say communication is number one. You right. have to just be open and mm-hmm. have these uncomfortable, awkward. Con- I don't know why money conversations are always awkward. Why is that <laughs> and uncomfortable? Because no. they had too late. Yeah, I think if you talk about, right it about front, it up front, you know, then we haven't become friends. True. Just yet. So, if so you put yeah, it up front. communication is key to me. Just establishing what you require, who you are, what you stand for, and then just allowing them to even disagree. Mm-hmm. If they do, mm-hmm. and being open to that, and then coming to a common ground, middle ground, to where you both are like, okay, we can do this, or we aren't going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, Kevin has been just tremendous in just teaching me the ropes, basically, and just just being upfront and honest and being straightforward. Right, right. Because you have to be, I mean, in this industry. Because, I mean, there are so many people that do what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so it's like, we can always go to the next. And that's okay if they do decide to go to the next. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be because I wasn't honest. What's the difference between a disagreement and an argument, in your opinion? Because some people think they're one and the same. I disagree with you, Rachel. Did we just have an argument because I said that? Hmm, not at all. No, see, a, a disagreement is, okay, you have this point of view that's different from mine. Right. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is where a lot of people struggle because we all have opinions. And that's fine to have an opinion. You can disagree over opinions, but arguing over facts mm-hmm. is where there's like, okay, there's, there's no need to argue over specific facts. Right. So we don't have to end our relationship no. because we don't agree on a certain point not or a couple all. of points. Now, if we get to have too many points, we may not have any chemistry at all, mm-hmm. right? Because we just don't see eye to eye on anything. That's a sign. Right. But if we're having a conflict about a note, mm-hmm. a song, an Okay, issue, so in that, it depends on also like the positions, the roles. That you play, right? Yeah, the roles mm-hmm. that you play. So if I have a unit, okay, soprano, alto, tenor, we're on tour, we're in rehearsal and we're having a disagreement and it, it depends on who's like the vocal director, vocal producer, mm-hmm. or if it's just three background singers just in there, then, okay, y'all can disagree, but y'all got to come up with some type of common ground. Mm-hmm. 
if I'm the vocal producer and I'm saying this is what it is, but yet you're disagreeing, then that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like because you're you were hired to just come and sing and and listen to the vocal director. Right. Yeah. Is that the was that one of the quickest ways to become unhitched? Of course. <laughs> is to not recognize who's in charge. Yeah. In this moment. Definitely, definitely. And um, I, I learned that the hard way, um, just coming up under a lot of singers, <laughs> just, and like I stated before, I, I dealt with a, a phase of arrogance thinking I was just greater than. Okay. And so I would come into a gig thinking I knew it all and I would say, no, that's not right. And they're like, wait, that's not your place. And I had to learn that. I learned mm -hmm. the hard way, like, okay, go home because we hired you to sing alto, not to come and direct this thing. Like you're not driving this bus. Right, right. So it's, like I said, it's about knowing your role. So how does one get to where you are today as a background vocalist? How do you, how do you break in? Uh, it's actually pretty easy just to get in the door. It's basically, especially now, everyone's having auditions. Like artists are putting it out on social media. Hey, mm -hmm. I'm looking for a soprano. I'm looking for a tenor. I'm looking for an alto. Come audition. So it's as simple as auditioning, okay. but it's before you go into audition, you have to have preparation, like, because this isn't like a church gig where you just show up and, you know, I'm singing in the choir. Like, it's not yeah. that. Yeah. It's so many variables that just, you really have to know what you're doing. So I would also say connect with those who are doing what you're doing. So like a mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. I host like workshops and stuff. So that would be an ample opportunity for you to come to a workshop and just get to know me and sit up under and see how we do things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those two things, um, auditioning and just connecting with someone who's doing what you want to do. What are some of the variables that you're talking about? That can, I guess that you're saying that can determine whether you get a gig or not. Yeah, right? um, so everyone thinks, okay, a background vocalist is just singing and it's not just singing, it's professionalism, it's preparation, mm -hmm. it's the look, it's the vibe, it's the personality, it's mm -hmm. all these different variables coupled together that creates this BGV that everybody wants. Mm -hmm. So um, when I say professionalism, like, are you on time? Uh, do you know, you know where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there? Um, as far as preparation, do you know your music? <laughs> um, Starting with that. Are you likable? And that's kind of, and if I can dive into that just a little bit, because I, I tend to battle with others who make being likable the number one factor. But for me, I don't have to like you to sing with you mm. because we're doing a job. So now, you, can have, you can have musical chemistry mm -hmm. and not like yeah. the person singing right beside you. Oh, definitely. It happens all the time and people never know. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, of course you want people to want to be around you. Like you don't want to just be attitudinal all the time and always have an issue yeah, and just, right. no, that that's a no, no. But like, I know I don't, <laughs> I don't walk on eggshells to make people like me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a funny person. I love to make people laugh, mm -hmm. of course, but like, I'm not gonna, like you're not gonna get this peaches and cream vibe from me. Like, oh, I'm Rachel, and this just this is how I am all the time. And everyone, like, that's just not me. I'm just, it's just not. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm on the road, I like to go to my room after I'm done. Like, sometimes mm -hmm. I just don't want to hang. Yeah. And so, like I said, 
be likable, but don't like overdo it. Is there an advantage to not hanging? We've talked, this has come up numerous oh, times. There's been numerous touring musicians have been on the show. And that topic, the topic of space on the road mm-hmm. typically comes up when you That's ask somebody you what your life trouble. is like. So is, you believe the space is healthy. Yes. As many others do. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think people struggle with that? Why do you, particularly if they're new to the gig, why do you think, is there an advantage I'm saying to staying away? from the crew oh of course um i think when newbies come in they want that validation they Mm want to feel wanted and they want to feel like they're welcomed and so they kind of over go overboard Mm -hmm. with that whole thing yeah there's nothing wrong with like hanging out though because like once we establish ourselves with each other of course you know after a show hey let's go let's go eat let's go hang out Mm -hmm. and just chill but it takes time. Just like, you know, you're paying your dues to get to where you want to go. The same thing with when you're hanging out because that type of stuff will get you in, you can get in trouble a lot and get kicked off a gig and mm-hmm. just different things like that. Or you can rub people the wrong way and then they'll go complain to the artist or to, yeah. you know, the staff and then you're gone. Yeah. So you just kind of have to feel it out. But yeah. like for new people, I know for me, I wasn't the type to, just immediately hang out even when they ask like hey come hang i'm like no i'm gonna go to my room chill out and i just kind of observe and watch Mm -hmm. you know over a period of time but yeah don't don't i wouldn't say dive in and just be just all in because you're developing and you're learning people's personalities and boundaries and all Mm -hmm. that type of stuff Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about bridge hooks and stuff. BHS, bridge hooks and stuff. Ah, that's my my first baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I started BHS in 2004. It's a contracting company um, agency where I contract BGVs for tours and albums and TV shows Mm -hmm. and whoever needs singers, they call me. So that's what I do Mm -hmm. for BHS. And the vision behind that, did that, was that birth out of frustration or were you looking at, okay, I've had my, sh- my chances. Let me put somebody else on. It wasn't frustration. It was more so, it became my, like my niche. Like, mm-hmm. okay, everyone was calling me and I'm like, I need to make some money doing this. <laughs> like for real, I'm like no one's doing this. No one's like creating something like a roster and sending people out. Let me create this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, VHS. And I remember the name alone. I was like, okay, God, I need something creative and that'll draw. Mm-hmm. And I, he literally dropped that on my laptop, bridge <laughs> hooks and stuff. And I was like, bridge hooks and stuff. That is so creative. Like, you got your bridge, you got your hooks and you got all this other stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was about to ask you, what was the stuff? I've always wanted to ask you, what is the, the, what is stuff, the stuff? is everything else. <laughs> like everything, like you got your song, your bridge, your hooks in the song, and then everything else, like I yeah. said, the different variables that the make. The variables, right. There BGV. we go. So now I, now I have a word for stuff. It's, yes. it's now variable. So, <laughs> BGVV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you've, you've worked with a who's who uh, in, you know, in the music industry mm-hmm. and entertainment world. And we've had conversations like this around the show as well, like different music directors, mm-hmm. um, casting directors, mm-hmm. they need different things. Mm-hmm. And that's that's back to the variables topic again. Um, obviously a person who's having great success getting a lot of calls on TV, because you mm-hmm. said you work with TV, is Adam Blackstone. Yes. Um, I think, you, you know, my understanding, you know him very well and yes. y'all have worked together numerous times. What does it take 
to get to work with him. Because I'm sure a lot of people are like, man, I'd love to be on the Super Bowl one day. That's a dream yeah. come true. I'd love to be on the Oscars. But Adam's only going to call, he can only call a certain amount of people. Right. But is there any method to the madness to be getting in his camp or in the mix? Um. So with Adam, it's because he knows so many people. Of course, you know, he has this huge roster of mm -hmm. singers. So like everybody's not going to do everything, of course. Right. Um, but for him, it's, it's not just musical. Like it's not just mm -hmm. your talent or your gift. It's, it's also like I spoke about your personality, how you mesh with certain people, how you would be in certain situations, or even this, uh, if we go back to the music side of it, your sound, like does this work for this gig mm -hmm. or does this work for another gig? Because everybody's not for everything. Right. Um, I think with him learning, uh, if I can go back to how I met Adam, um, Someone called me for a, I don't know if you remember, a Merry Merry Christmas that was on. It was a channel, yeah. it got canceled. What's the channel? Uh, uh, it was a Christian music channel that used to be on TV. I, can't I cannot now. remember what the title was, but they had something called a Merry Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, I got called for that and he was just the basis for Mary Mary. Okay. And we just kind of stayed in contact. We developed a friendship, a relationship, healthy relationship. And from then on, I remember when he got his like major, major gig, he called me and was like, look, I got this. I want oh, you to wow. great. And I was just like, wow, okay, cool, great. And then from then on, he just kept calling me, kept calling, kept calling me. And then of course, with me having BHS, it's like, okay, use this person, use that person, just introducing him, being a bridge introducing him to others to use as well so um adam he like i said it's not just music it's so many things that he looks at with um you know booking people mm -hmm. and so um and he's also big on just like i said relationship just developing relationship making it natural not nothing forced or anything like right, that yeah. right so rachel what are some of your interests and passions outside of music i know that you're Ooh. a mom mm -hmm. your wife yes uh, you have a life outside of this. So yes. talk about the importance of having a life away from the music and, and, and tell us about your life. Okay. As you stated, yes, I'm a wife and I'm a mother of two beautiful, beautiful kids. Um, but I love, I love, I love, and nobody really knows this about me, but I love to cook. Mm. And I'm actually enrolled in culinary school. Nice. And so that's a passion of mine. So I just, I love creating I'm mm -hmm. a creative at heart, and so yeah. So it comes out in, it, in so this 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 gift comes out in other areas. In definitely. Other so you find yourself, are you hard on yourself as a cook? Oh yes, <laughs> I think I'm harder as a cook than I am as a vocalist. <laughs> it's weird. So do you do you have to like does someone have to taste the food or you you taste it and you, you're good with that? Do you need other? Oh, people? I need other people to okay. taste. Yeah. So my husband is the guinea pig and of course he says he likes everything but i i don't know if he's telling the truth <laughs> <laughs> so so you guys are he's terrence i have mm -hmm. met in years ago as well you guys are are musically hitched couple, yes right so you have the you have the musical hitching as in your music gift mm -hmm. but then you guys are also a union yeah so how long have you guys been married and and what do you think how do you think music has impacted your marriage? Um, okay, so we've been, we'll be celebrating 15 years wow. Thanksgiving this Congratulations. year. Congratulations. Yes. So um, it's funny if I can jump in and tell this story how we met. Mm -hmm. So um, back in the day, there was this website called Black Planet. Ah, yeah, I've heard of Black Planet. We know Black. <laughs> we used to chat on Black Planet and College Club. 
together. We were like 15, 14 and 15 years old. Wow. And so then we just kind of went our separate ways from that. And then we met in college at Morris Brown. We were doing, um, he was pledging Phi Mu Alpha and I was uh, the sister sorority, um, Symphony at Lambda Theta Rho at Alpha. And somebody paired us together to sing a solo, a duet with each other and Literally from that day, we have been musically hitched. Wow, yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. So yeah, um, but yeah, that, I have some funny stories I wanted to share, but I'm gonna wait till part two. No, but um, <laughs> just the music side of, it's weird because he is a self-trained uh, keyboard player. And mm -hmm. so, um, and with me being just a perfectionist who I am, like I would get on him all the time when we were younger. Mm -hmm. And he, I kind of rubbed off on him. And so now he's like this, just stickler, just musically. And yeah. so I know music has played a major part in our relationship, just personally, even just mm -hmm. how we deal with each other. Um, because there's, you know, a lot of times, especially for me, just being on the road all the time, learning to, like coming home, learning to separate that, but that took some time. Yeah, because that's hard. Right? It's super hard. Because you have to hard. practice at home. You have to prep have at home. To. So it's not like you can walk home. You're not like a banker where you can just leave it at No, you can't do that. Yeah. No. That's preparation. <laughs> no. So so you guys have, have have managed to be musically hitched for fifteen plus years yeah. and show no signs of slowing down. So yeah. um talk about the the idea of how to maintain we're talking about your relationship now, mm. but there may be some people listening that want to know, okay, how can I pursue this? Because my husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, they're not musical. So should I do this? Should I even try? Or how do you make it work? How do how do people in the industry make that work? Um, like one I being keep gone and this. one being at home, you know. I keep saying this communication, first of all, is just having an understanding of roles. Like, you know, that before you met me, like when you met me, you knew this is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. We talk about this all the time. Like, this is what I was doing. And so like, it, it may not change. It may change. It mm -hmm. may not change though. And you have to be okay with that. And that's why I love my husband so much because he, he sees my gift. Like yeah. he knows what it is. He knows the demand that there is for me, which I'm grateful for. And he's okay with that. Mm -hmm. And um, he's had to share you a lot. He definitely had to share me a lot. Yes, you know? yes. And it's, I think it's kind of good now for me because I've slowed down a whole lot since I've had my kids. And now kind of the roles are kind of reversed because my husband's oh. into acting. And so now he's always gone. And oh, I'm so it's home. your turn now. It's so now it's turn. my turn. So I'm feeling everything he was feeling in. But he was, <laughs> he's always been supportive. Like he's never, ever out of the, we've been together 20 years. He's never complained. That's awesome. He's never complained. And so, um, like, the communication has always been there for us, though. Like, mm -hmm. if he ever felt like, okay, I need you to come home because I, I need us to to rekindle and just mm -hmm. to just be in each other's presence. Because I was, at one point, I was gone all the time. I'd probably yeah. be home two days out the week. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if he would call and say, hey, I need you, I would come home. Mm -hmm. Like, and that, because family is first for me. Right. Like outside of this music, this cooking, whatever, like family is first. And mm -hmm. so we had that understanding. And so for someone who's 
in a different predicament where they have a spouse or a significant other that's not that doesn't understand because my husband's in the industry but right. he's not you know like traveling it. like that he understands though so mm -hmm. if you have someone that's not in it and doesn't get it of course it would be difficult but like i said the communication has to be there and the trust has to be there because that's what it dies down to like it boils down right. to the trust factor because if they understand and they're complaining that means there's something there that's causing mm -hmm. them to not want you to be gone right. and so you have to dig and and discuss that and figure out what that is mm -hmm. so you're about to you said you're about to play role a little role reversal yes and you've been on the road a lot yeah. for years so i was going to ask you for that couple that's listening right now and that husband or that wife boyfriend mm -hmm. girlfriend somebody's not the one that's not in the industry what type of person do they need to be in order for the musically hits individual to soar Oh, they have to be, first of all, secure in who they are. Um, if you're not secure, then of course, you're going to always think something's wrong, something's going on, or if they have to go, then why do you have to go? And like, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. and then the whole clingy side of it. Now, I know some people are naturally clingy. Right. That's cool. Right. But you have to be open. And for me, I, and I'll go back to my husband. In him knowing what I would love to do and what I wanted to do, him releasing me, mm -hmm. to me, shows a lot of love for me. Like him being open that, okay, this is what she loves to do. Let her do it. Like, and you'd be okay with that instead of always having an issue with me being gone. Right. So it's not necessarily on the musically hitched person. It's the one like the significant other like what what is it about you that won't allow them to thrive mm -hmm. because if this is their passion and they have goals to be in this music industry and they have to be out what is it that's keeping you from really supporting them right it's the support factor so culinary school mm -hmm. wife of 15 years yes. this year mom mm -hmm. Talk to me about being a parent of small kids Ooh, and in the music business yes. and in demand all at the same time. How do you do that? So being a mother has literally changed my life. Um, like I said, we've been married 15 years and it took a journey for us to even have kids. So um, when my husband and I got married, I was on the road heavily, 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 heavily. And but we wanted to start having kids probably about a year later after we got married and we were just having issues so we we had this um, infertility journey that we dealt with for like 12 years but along this time i'm still on the road um because dealing with infertility is a monster and just mentally i had to go on the road just to not think about it and so hmm. um just constantly being on the road and then still coming home they were trying to have kids it was just it was a battle and so um, 12 years later, as I stated, we had um, our first child, Raina, and she's, she's two and a half now. And it really changed my life because I literally dropped everything. Like I left in the middle of a tour because of course we had to do um, fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. And so I left in the middle of a tour because I had started like meds and stuff and it was just having me crazy. And I was like, I can't be on this road and I'm trying to have kids. And right. I've literally dropped everything to have my daughter mm -hmm. and I would not change it at all. Like I don't regret it. 
it it really has changed my life. Like I've slowed down a whole lot. Um, I have to turn down stuff all the time because I want to be a mother. Like I love being home. Mm -hmm. I love interacting with my family. I love family. I'm a family person. And so, um, and then we got our surprise son later on. <laughs> and like I said, I, I enjoy it. Like this is what I wanted. And I'm just grateful that I'm, I was able to do it. Um, and I, I, I guess a little part of me miss being on the road, but I, I, I feel like I'm at an age now where I'm, I'm content with mm -hmm. not being on the road because I'm just, my knees are bad. I'm 40. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good, but I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm still able to work. Like I have a studio at home, so I'm, I'm grateful that people still call and, and, and want me to, you know, do stuff for them. But being a mother is, being a wife is number one. And then being a mother is right after that close. It's like a mm -hmm. close second, so. You mentioned you're able to, to, and a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people would have a hard time, mm -hmm. obviously being a mother mm -hmm. and becoming a parent is a huge responsibility. It's not huge. something you can avoid or should avoid, right? Mm -hmm. That's a responsibility. <laughs> right. But you did have a responsibility to the tour mm -hmm. and to that artist and yes. that camp. Um, I'm sure that you transitioned well out of it, but I'm sure it was was a hard decision because you spent all that time building yeah, up to that point. It was super hard, and I'll share why. Um, I had been leading up until leaving. I remember the artist I was touring with, I'm not gonna share who it is, but I was with them. I had been with them forever. And I told them two years prior, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be leaving soon because I really wanna buckle down and start a family. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I shared with them the complications we were having and they were understanding, of course, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna be leaving. And it's, it's like, I don't know, road life, you just get so caught up in it. It's like good money and it's like, you're just out at these different places and you're experiencing different things. And so, um, over the course of two years, I'm supposed to be transitioning out and I'm just not mm -hmm. doing that. I'm just comfortable. And so I, I think it was God saying, okay, you got to shut this down if this is what you want. Like I really wanted a family, but we were struggling so hard just, and so, um, I think after two years, cause I think the two years prior, I told them I was going to be with them another year and it ended up turning into two years. Mm. And so then I remember having a conversation with my doctor and they were like, you're on the road too much. We can't do what we need to do if you're always gone. So you need to make mm. a decision. Either you're going to stay on the road or you're going to be a mom. And so at that point, that's when I was like, I got to go. And so, um, of course, it, it created some static because I mean, who wants to, I've been with them for 10 years. Who wants this person to leave? And you know, you established so much, you created so much and you have this relationship and, but I knew what I had to do. So I dipped and it was rough, even with our relationship. Um, but of course, uh, eventually there was some understanding and we, you know, we talked or whatever, but I said, motherhood is, is what I wanted to do that when I have a goal, nothing else is in Lock my view. In. Yeah. 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 I'm going to ask you a question that is related to touring now. Okay. That I'm sure a lot of listeners want, want to know. All right. Got to ask this question the right way. Cause I know you don't want to put people's business in the street. Okay. But a lot of people want to know about the pay. Okay. Okay. I see the stage. I see the lights for some people that's good enough. 
But some people that are going to pursue this, again, they want to know how do you stay musically hitched, mm-hmm. right? That's what the show is about. What is the pay for a background vocalist at the top level these days? So you may give us, maybe you want to give us a range. You may think about to your early days. I don't know if you could give us an idea of where someone should expect to start and potentially where they could finish. Okay. Um, It's kind of hard to give a range. Let me say this. So... Of course, you know, paying your dues. You, I did a lot of stuff. I still do stuff for free. Let me put that out there. Because mm-hmm. wow. if I if I have relationship with you, and you say, hey, can you do this for me? I don't mind. I don't mind doing it. I mean, I feel like I've established established myself enough to where it's not about the check. Now, at the beginning, it was pay me my money. I need my check. <laughs> Give it here. <laughs> and now it's like, I'm Rachel James. I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Like, real talk. I don't have to have a check to do what I love. Mm-hmm. So, but um, the range, it, it varies because I think it depends on the artist. It, it depends on the opportunity. Mm-hmm. It depends on, like, if it's studio or if it's tour. It, it's it's yeah. different Well, let's talk touring. But, let's say, is there a minimum? an entry level that someone should be aware of? Yeah, like, um, if it's like a, a well-known artist and you're doing a tour, let's say it's like a 12-week tour, um, there's gonna be rehearsals, there's gonna be per diem, all that stuff. So I'd say the minimum I would accept if I was coming into a tour. Brand new. Brand new, not, yeah, not as established, but brand new, I would say about 1,500 a week mm-hmm. is the lowest I probably All the shows say. for that week included? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Starting yeah. off. Yeah. Definitely. We're averaging about maybe what maybe three shows. It's not seven days. Yeah. A week, say so let's say three, three shows, shows a week, and then you got so then there's probably a week of rehearsal prior, depending on what the opportunity is. Um, it may be two three weeks prior. Um, but they would pay you for rehearsals as well. But for the tour, I would definitely do probably a minimum of fifteen hundred mm-hmm. a week. And then, and then per diem, and of course they're taking care of travel and lodging. Don't ever pay for your own travel and lodging. I know I get this in my inbox all the time. Somebody called me for you know opportunity, but they want me to buy my own plane ticket. Don't ever do that. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. Right. But I don't know. We're in a different time, so I don't know if that's the new thing. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, people need to know their numbers, mm-hmm. and they need to be. You can't ask for too much, but there is a minimum. In other words, like yeah. there's a there's a, a range that people should know about if they want to be intelligent yeah. as far as coming into the industry. And a lot of times they'll tell you what they're offering. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, like starting off, of course, they said, this is what we have. This is what we're offering you, blah, blah, blah. And then as I started establishing myself, I began negotiating. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think um, you have to be in demand to demand things and Mm -hmm. so i think once you made a name for yourself then you can start negotiating saying okay you're offering this i want to counter with this but if they're offering something from the beginning and you're trying to get your foot in the door just take it and if if you feel that you know that's worth it and of course having a mentor or someone you can bounce stuff off of Mm -hmm. say hey you know they offer me this does this sound okay because some people will take advantage of you so it's just good to have people around you that are in the industry and you can bounce things off of. Who have been and maybe who are your mentors? 
I have many different mentors for different aspects of my life. So like Kevin Bunn is my like creative mentor that I go to um, mm -hmm. just when it comes to business and stuff. Him and, and Darwin Hobbs, of course, um, who I, I met years ago, who he's very straightforward and shoot from the hip. And I think I got part of that from him. <laughs> um, what would you say is the most powerful piece of advice? If you had to name one thing per person, Kevin Bond said this, Darwin Hobbs said this. Oof. You can only pick one. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Just one. Okay. Darwin has always told me this. Okay, this sticks out to me. Because of me creating this brand VHS, of course, there's always people that have, you know, the naysayers and, you know, people are like, I got haters and whatever. I don't say that, but <laughs> um, he always tells me, let the excellence of your work be your only protest, which means you don't mm. have to explain anything to anybody. You just go do, be, and I leave. Like and let that tell the story. Let right. that, you know, show people who you are instead of having to defend yourself. That's good. I never defend myself. Mm -hmm. Whether you, what you're saying is true or not, I don't have to say anything. My gift is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so that has stuck with me to this day. Kevin? Kevin, oh gosh, it's so Kevin Vaughn. What has Kevin, I'm trying to think of, because he, he has these sayings. They're so creative and <laughs> he's just so eloquent with it. And it's like poetic in a sense. Um, He's okay now, as far as business, he's just, he's always told me to just be straightforward um, and, and have uncomfortable conversations with people um, about money. Mm -hmm. Like uh, he's taught me as far as, so as a BGV, a lot of times you'll get calls from artists to come in the studio to do their records. And they'll say, oh, if you hear anything, you know, go ahead and create something yeah, right here. Right, right. And he always told me, take a split sheet to these sessions mm -hmm. because a lot of times these artists will take advantage of you and they hire you as a BGV when they should be hiring you as a vocal producer or an arranger or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're in there with your BGV friends and y'all coming up with stuff and you're creating the song, you're composing the song, Which you're writing now, the song. We've now ventured into production. Exactly. And so he's always told me, handle your business. Mm -hmm. And so even, you know, with friends, like oh, I have a lot of artist friends that call on me to come in the studio and do stuff. Hey, you got your phone? Let me send this app over to you, the mm -hmm. split sheet over to you. Because I mean, business is business. Right, right. You got to know the difference. You got to know the difference. And that doesn't have to be, you know, we, again, it's often used as or described as awkward or difficult true, conversations, true. but it can just be a conversation. It can be. And it, in, in an early conversation doesn't ultimately become the difficult conversation. You're right. And, and, and it will cause you to lose some opportunities, right? Yeah, because yeah. some people will be uncomfortable with that app suggestion mm -hmm. or that split sheet that you came <laughs> yes. in flashing, but it'll keep you from feeling like you gotten taken advantage of. That's true. And it may, uh, it may cause you to get a grant. You're <laughs> right about because it. Because you have now been properly credited for work That's right. that was probably going to be great, probably going to be dope. You're right. But now you're actually going to be factored in instead of mm -hmm. pushed out. Yep. So studio work, we, we talked about mm -hmm. a lot of things and that's one thing that we didn't really dive into. Um, your foray into studio work, it's really, really expansive. You've been on a lot of albums. Mm -hmm. um, again, people can look you up on show all music and see your name all yeah. over the place if they really want to know who, how many there are, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
How do you get into studio work and how do you maintain the calls, particularly from Grammy Award winning producers? Um, for me, it was, it took me, um, I have a friend, Derek Stevenson. He has um, studio Pure Tones Productions. Mm -hmm. And I would just sit, like when I got called for sessions, I would stay after and just sit and kind of just watch, you know, like what he was doing. Or even like if they were taking a break with me and going to the next person to sing, I would go in the control booth and just sit and watch. And I, it became interesting to me. And then when I met my husband, of course, he, my husband, people sleep on him because he's so quiet and laid back. He doesn't really boast. I guess you say, but he has recorded over probably about 400 songs. And so when I met him, he was just showing me his whole just list of things that he has done and recorded. Mm. And I was just like, you did this yourself? Okay, so how did you do this? And then he would just show me because he had his own setup. And I became interested in it because I was like, okay, I already like singing in the studio. Let me try and learn this. Right. When I learned it, and I met Adam. He was like, you know how to record? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and when I tell you, he would throw so much work at me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me study this stuff even more because clearly there's not enough of us who can record ourselves. Right. And then right. the pandemic hit and it was like, okay, nobody's going anywhere, but people are still recording mm -hmm. music. And people still did not learn that skill before. Still did not. And we had, we've had over a year and a half some of, some still consider us in the pandemic, right? Yeah. So the skill set and all the Zooms and everything, the work from home became a, a real, real like thing. Like that was a- Like became acceptable. Finally. I made the most money in 2020, 2021 than I had in five years previous, right. just from doing that. Because the show does, the show has to go it on even with COVID, right? It, it has, has to go, go on. on. And so. I remember teaching, a, um, I taught a workshop um, during the pandemic about having your own equipment and stuff because people like even for me like there's a lot of stuff that i get that a lot of times people want me to sing it all but I, sometimes i don't want to do it and i just want to call on some people and yeah. i need you to have a setup right, so I, right. like you need them to have a setup i need you to have a setup like because a lot of times i'm not gonna be calling the studio and, and paying studio time for you to go right no right. that's just no right. we're in a different time now. and you can cut your, your margins you can increase your margins definitely because you have your own gear so you don't have to go out if rachel gives you the call if you're listening it's, exactly it's a hack. and like you your first session or two will pay for all your equipment right right so it's a great investment definitely right well this has been phenomenal yes i mean you you have, you have opened up the book mm. uh the 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 background Bible. We'll <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've had several chapters uh, of that today. And I think it's just amazing that you literally also have a manual. So make sure you go and cop BG yes. Evolve. That's yes. important because that is a manual that will teach you probably everything you need to know about the business of background artistry. Yeah. We'll call it we'll call it that. What's next for Rachel James? Well, um, let me say this. I appreciate you having me on here. I think Musically Hitch is an amazing platform for thank creatives you. like me. So thank you for this door, for this platform to, to share and to just, uh, I guess, allow people inside of Rachel James' yeah. brand. So <laughs> I thank you for that. Thank you. What's next for Rachel? 
Um, I'm an infertility warrior, as I stated. My husband and I had a 12-year infertility journey. And so um, aside from culinary school, uh, we're working on books and workshops. And we've been um, doing interviews with like Essence and Ebony and Mm -hmm. TV One. And so we've kind of opened up our lives Mm -hmm. to the world to share our journey. And so we're becoming advocates for infertility journeys. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, much, much success. I already know it's going to be great. But Thank I'm, I'm you. Looking forward, looking forward to seeing it and reading it already. Yes, so, wonderful. Well, this has been another episode of Musically Hitched. For Rachel James, I am Zach Reynolds Jr. We look forward to seeing you right here again, same place, same time. Stay tuned. And don't forget to rate, review, like, and subscribe. We want you to miss nothing at all. Take care. This is your co-host, Crystal Reynolds. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Musically Hitched. You can support this podcast by following the show on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time.